from a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Karen Slaughter's debut novel, Blind Sighted, won the Crime Writers Association's Dagger Award shortlist for Best Thriller Debut of 2001. Since then, she's released over a dozen books which have sold over 30 million copies. She'll be a guest author at Thurber House on Wednesday, September 30th. Welcome to Craft, Karen Slaughter. Thank you. Well, you describe your new book, Pretty Girls, as an exploration of, quote, the relationship between people connected by blood, by love, by shared history. This is a book about family secrets and betrayals. So what got you interested in uh, this topic, uh, family secrets and betrayals? Well, uh, you know, I really enjoy, as a writer, writing character. And there's no better way to write about interesting characters than to talk about families. I mean, we all come from them, but every family is different in its own way. Uh, and I have for years written about crime from the point of view of police officers. And I thought, well, here would be a really interesting opportunity for me to write about crime from the other side. Um, and so I have a, a crime that happened 24 years prior to the opening of this book. Uh, a sister was a, um, walking down the street, and that's the last anybody saw of her. They don't know if she was kidnapped, if she disappeared on her own, or anything. You know, they expect they suspect malfeasance, of course, but you know they never really find out what happened to her. And so, 24 years after the fact, her two remaining sisters, the the one who disappeared is the older sister, her two remaining sisters are estranged for various reasons, and then. One of them, her husband is murdered, and they're brought back together. What brought the idea to, to mind? Was there something you had read about, or you just started honing in, like you said, on these characters and thought, I've got a character in mind who one of the characters has had a, uh, a criminal past and is involved with an ex-con, and uh, the other character has not. What made you just decide these are the two people that I really wanted to focus on in this book? You know, it's hard to pinpoint it. Um, I had a very clear idea of these characters. Once I had the idea, and the idea was this weird fever dream I had because I pulled a, uh, or slipped a disc in my back and I was taking narcotics, and I've never even smoked a cigarette. I don't like taking any kind of drugs. I've never taken illegal drugs. So this really hit me hard, and I mm-hmm. had this crazy dream. Uh, and out of this dream came the idea for the book. Uh, but the characters were characters that I had been thinking about for a little while, um, and when I had the book idea, the plot, these characters just really came into relief. And, you know, in some ways they're modeled after me and my sister. Uh, I'm, I'm the youngest of three, and my middle sister uh, unfortunately lost a lot of her years to drug addiction. And fortunately she's on the straight and narrow now, but I wanted to talk about that dynamic a little bit. When you were doing research on that, did you talk to her about that? A lot of it was me writing from my perspective as the the younger sister and the one who saw, you know, my sister basically lose a great deal of her life to drug addiction. Uh, and part of it came, you know, when I'm writing from Lydia, the sister who is the ex-addict or recovering addict, from talking to my sister uh, just over the years, not particularly for research, but right. really just trying to integrate her life into this story. You've also got, a, a, I noticed, a digital short story available on your website, Blonde Hair, Blue Eyes. Mm-hmm. You've released short stories before, but this seems like your first um, digital short story, or at least it was the first one I saw on the website. 
Well, yeah. Uh, my other short stories are have to do with Will Trent. There's one called Busted and one called, um, ooh, what's it called? Snatched. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there for a minute. And I've written some short stories, but Blonde Hair, Blue Eyes is actually the, a story that explains um, loosely the day the oldest sister disappeared. So it's written um, in the past. And, uh, you know, before the Internet really took off and all that stuff. And it, it's about Julia, the missing sister's last day. Is that something that you're thinking about doing more? Or was this a piece that you had decided it was a standalone? What does this herald for your readers? Well, I certainly enjoy doing short stories and novellas. I think it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to try different things. And judging by the reviews some of my short stories have got, sometimes people don't like when I try different things. But... Is is a, a piece that connects to this book. The genesis of the story came because I got to the end of the book and I thought, you know, I really would like to challenge myself to write a story about Julia's last day, and and write it in such a way that it stands completely alone from the novel. So you don't have to read the novel if you read the short story, or the other way around. Um, but I also needed it to encapsulate, um, you know, that day so that it it worked just as a short story. Um, and, and that was an interesting exercise for me. And, and also, you know, I thought, gosh, as a reader of Pretty Girls, would I want to know this? And, you know, the answer was yes. And so a lot of my um, feelings about this uh, disappearance went into writing that short story. Because it really is. Uh, many women will tell you, you know, the ones who watch Dateline or 48 Hours of those shows, the most terrifying murders or, or crimes against women to a lot of women are the ones where they just disappear and you never hear from them again and you never know what really happened to them. How often do you challenge yourself like that? Uh, you say, I haven't done this before, but I want to maybe inject something new into my writing. And you say, do a short story or you do uh, something different to keep the, the creative impulse uh, more saturated. I do it a lot, and I think just as an exercise, it's always good to write short stories because you have such a small amount of time to write a character and, and really make the reader understand who this character is. And honestly, I think that when you write a book, you should still have that brevity where you just really concentrate in two or three paragraphs what you're going to say about this character and, and give the reader information about really who is this person and and why would I want to read an entire story built around them? So I, I think just as, um, you know, stretching your brain, it's always good to write shorter stories. But, you know, on the other hand, I can do so many different things in a short story that I can't do, say, in a Will Trent book. You know, I couldn't kill all the main characters, for instance, <laughs> or, you know, have them all lose an arm or something. I mean, it just it wouldn't work. And so I think it's very important as a writer to kind of take that break and tell other stories that might interest you and do something new. Because, you know, I don't want to write the same book over and over again. Right. Certainly I could probably do that. But to me, I want to be a writer. I want to be challenged. I want to do interesting new things. And so when I start each book, even if it is a Will Trent book, like I'm working on the next Will Trent book right now that will be out next year, I want to make sure that I'm I'm doing something new and I'm keeping myself interested in, in this this process because it's a gift to be able to be a writer and I want to always honor that. 
What's a good day for you as a writer when you sit down and you say, like you just said, I want to be a writer. I want to be out there uh, constantly involved in it. What does that constitute for you on a daily basis? Well, a good day for me is when I'm up at my cabin, just me alone in my computer, in my lap, you know, and writing the story and having a really good day, you know, and, and it's, it's a real rush when you know that you're in a good part of the story and you're doing good work and, and that's what I really get a kick out of. When you say it's a good part of the story, what do you look forward to writing? You know, action and, and things like character development, I think about those so much when I'm not working. So kind of by the time I sit down, that's not really, you know, that's already figured out. I've, I've gotten those puzzle pieces together and I've gotten details because really character development is sharing details. So I've got that pretty much in my head. I, I think that the, the rush comes from when it all falls together and you just keep going and, you know, you just feel like, God, I've got so much in me. I need to just sit here all day and get this out. That, that's what I love. And is it a particular type of scene? Not necessarily. I mean, you know, I've had it happen with scenes that are very jarring or very graphic or sometimes scenes that are very slow. Like in Pretty Girls, there's that, I, I, I think, wonderful scene between Claire and her mother in the hotel. And you just think, gosh, you know, both of these women have changed so much. And their perception of each other has changed. And I have a very close relationship with my father. And I remember when my dad stopped seeing me as his little girl, I mean, I'm always his little girl, but you know what I'm saying? When he mm-hmm. thought, oh, wait, she's an adult. She's got a mortgage. <laughs> she pays bills. She's not going to need me anymore. And, and it really changed the focus of our relationship. You know, we, it's not like we're best friends or anything, but, you know, we're still father and daughter. But he saw me as an adult as, as opposed to a kid. And that I really like that scene between them. In addition to being a writer, you are also very active in the Save the Libraries mm-hmm. organization. And I was hoping you could tell uh, our listeners just a little bit about that to give them a sense of the kinds of things that you're working with when you're not up at the cabin enjoying the writing. Well, Save the Libraries is a foundation I started. And what I try to do is to... One, raise awareness that libraries really need us. You know, the economy is doing incrementally better than it was a few years ago, but governments have not reinstated library budgets because, you know, just because out of the goodness of their hearts. What they've said is, well, okay, the system can work with 80% of their budget, so maybe we should cut it to 70 and see if they can still stay alive. Um, and it's a tragedy because... Libraries are the backbone of our education system. They're the backbone of our communities. And they offer so many things that people don't know about, you know, whether it's English as a second language courses, how to start your own business, how to fill out your taxes, Internet. You know, 80% of kids living in rural areas have no access to the Internet outside of their house except for school or the library. And if you think about how far behind kids would be, if they didn't have proficiency with the Internet. I mean, it's just we're creating a third-world class of kids if we deny the library to them. So what I'm trying to do is raise that awareness, get people, you know, volunteering is fine, donating your old books is fine, but what they really need is cold, hard cash. And that's what we tell people is give money to your library. Is there a website attached to the Save the Libraries that people can go to? Yes, uh, savethelibraries.com. But what I would say is, You know, I'm a very big believer in giving locally. 
So go to your local library and give money to that foundation. And if your library system's in great shape, look a couple of towns over because usually what I found is if there's a system that's in really great shape, a couple of doors down there's one that's not. Hmm. And give the money to them. And, you know, that benefits you in so many ways, even though you might live in a nice community that really understands that a library is important. The adjacent community needs that almost more than you do because, you know, books are expensive. A lot of times parents don't have time to read to their kids. And for the kids to be able to go to their library and have a reading room and to be encouraged to educate themselves and learn about the world is a tremendous gift we give to children. The, I have to say that I think the Columbus libraries are, uh, we are really blessed uh, in Columbus. It's a great library system. And uh, I, uh, maybe when you're here, if you have a chance, uh, go look at them. They're, they're really phenomenal. They're my favorite library system. Oh, great. But uh, I think that's great advice about looking a couple towns down and seeing what else uh, other places have. Karen Slaughter, I thank you very much for talking to me today. And I'm really looking forward to your coming to Columbus to be with the Thurber House on Wednesday, September 30th, where you'll read from, I assume, uh, some passages from Pretty Girls. Absolutely. Thank you very much, and have a great day. You too. Thank you. For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative. <laughs>